Welcome to Stories from Among the Stars. You're listening to Legends and Lattes by Travis Baldry. 15. Gods, what a difference, said Tandry. Cal's auto-circulator twirled lazily above them, and the cool downdraft was indeed a blessed relief. Thimble appeared to appreciate it just as much, if not more. Viv wasn't even sure if the Ratkin could sweat. He'd probably suffered more than any of them, especially working near the stove, although he'd never complained. Some morning regulars bemoaned the previous closure, but any grumbles were outweighed by their interest in the new gnomish gadget stirring the air. Glancing around, Viv decided that she was extremely proud of the shop's interior. It felt modern and forward-thinking, but also cozy and welcoming. The combined aromas of hot cinnamon, ground coffee, and sweet cardamom intoxicated her, and as she brewed and smiled and served and chatted, a deep contentment welled up. It was a glowing warmth she'd never experienced before, and she liked it. She liked it a great deal. A look around at the regulars confirmed they felt it too, and yet from behind the counter there was a sweetness she alone experienced. Because this shop is mine she thought. She caught Tandry slipping into a smile beside her. Or maybe it's ours. Viv glanced up and saw Pendry, the hulking would-be bard, shifting from foot to foot just inside the threshold. This time he had a more traditional loot clutched in front of him. She thought he might accidentally twist the neck off with those big hands he gripped it so tightly. Hi there, Pendry. She waited to see what he'd say, a touch amused. It was clear what he wanted to say. I, uh, well? Tandry shot her a mildly reproachful look, and Viv took pity on the poor kid. Want to give it another try? She asked, carefully keeping her eyes on her work. Uh, I would like that, but I promise I'll play something less mod- I mean, more traditional, miss. Miss? Oof, now I know Elaine hated that. Viv made a face. I'm- Sorry, he ventured, wincing. She waved at him. Go ahead. Last time wasn't bad, exactly, just surprising. Break a leg. Tandry looked stricken. I guess that's not a common saying around here? Tandry shrugged. Sounds pretty martial. You're probably right. Tandry blinked in confusion, then ducked his head and shuffled into the dining area again. This time, Viv resolved not to follow in case it made his nerves worse than they already were. She did cock an ear and waited for a minute or so. Hearing nothing, she laughed under her breath and shook her head, starting a fresh pull of coffee. As she passed it to a customer and the hissing of the machine died down, the sound of the lute became gradually apparent. Much softer than last time, Pendry was playing a gentle ballad with a pleasant melody. It had a catchy strumming pattern, interspersed with delicate finger-picking. It's nice, observed Tandry. He can play, can he? Not bad, agreed Viv. A voice then joined the lute, high and sweet and soulful. Hang on, said Viv. Who is that? She ducked her head around the corner and gawked. Well, I'll be damned. It was Pendry, his singing voice unaccountably melodious and pure, a startling contrast to his bulk and blockiness. 
The price of what I meant to do was higher when the day was through, and when I took a different road, I almost couldn't feel the load. I don't think I've ever heard that before, said Tandry. Maybe traditional sounding, but not traditional. I'd wager he wrote that. Huh. There were no expressions of shock amongst the diners, and Viv even caught a foot or two tapping along. Sorry I ever doubted you, she murmured, partly to herself, but mostly to the scalvered stone tucked away beneath the floor. What was that? Oh, nothing. Just another stroke of good luck. Later, Hemington approached the counter and rather awkwardly ordered one of everything. You want a coffee and a latte, asked Viv, eyeing him with suspicion. Uh, yes. He paused and fidgeted for a moment. And then I had something I wanted to ask you. Viv sighed. Hemington, if you're looking for a favor, just ask. I don't want to brew coffee you're not going to drink. Oh, well, excellent, he said brightly. You're buying one of these, though she said, sliding a thimblet over to him. Um, of course. He paid for it, but didn't seem to know what to do with it. Well, what can I do for you, Hem? To start, I'd appreciate it if you didn't call me Hem. I believe you're the one asking for a favor in a shop where you don't actually want anything we sell, Hem. He grimaced. It's not that I don't want anything. Oh, never mind. He took a big breath and tried to start over. I was hoping you'd allow me to lay a ward here as part of my research. Viv frowned. A ward? What for? Well, it's really my primary area of study, and with the non-fluctuating confluence of ley lines here and the amplifying effect they have on thomic constructions that align with the material substrate, it may be a more straightforward answer, Hammington. <clears throat> it will be entirely unnoticeable. He absently bit the thimblet. But what will it do? Well, it could do any number of things. That in and of itself isn't important, and it will not disrupt your customers or anyone else. You shouldn't even see it. Then why haven't you already done it? He looked affronted. I would never, he said, with great dignity, spoiled somewhat by the bite of thimblet that followed. What sort of ward? asked Tandry, who had clearly been listening in. Optical trigger, anima proximity, using a precision focus? Uh, anima proximity, and the focus could be anything. A pigeon? Why would you want to track whether a pigeon flew over the building? Asked Tandry. Well, it was just an example, said Hemington. As I said, what it does isn't important. I just like to study the stability, range, and accuracy of the ward's response. Viv sighed in resignation. If I don't have to hear any more about it, then go right ahead. Unless, she looked at Tandry, unless I should care. She was nervous that this would somehow expose the secret under the floor, but objecting more strenuously might accomplish the same thing. If he had some means of investigating specifically for the stone, she wouldn't know anyway, so perhaps it was best just to go with it for now. It'll be fine, said Tandry. I told you it would be unnoticeable, huffed Hemington. Unnoticeable isn't the same as harmless, said Viv mildly. But yeah, go ahead. I, thank you. How was the thimblet, she asked with a sly smile. The what? She pointed at his now empty hands. He'd eaten the whole thing. Things had been going far too smoothly for far too long, and if Viv had been out in the wilderness or on a campaign or camped outside a beast's lair, a premonition of impending misfortune would have prickled along her spine. 
While she and Tandri shut down for the evening, Lack appeared outside the shop with Tandri's unwelcome admirer, Kellen, and at least six or eight others. As Viv stood blocking the doorway, she reflected that she really should not have let her vigilance lapse. What is it? asked Tandri, dropping the mug she'd been cleaning into the wash water and moving to look around Viv's side. She froze at the sight of Kellen, her eyes darting to the men and women behind him. They bristled with enough knives to warrant concern. Viv found herself wishing that Amity would show up, but the dire cat was frustratingly absent. Viv wasn't particularly worried about the knives for herself, but Tandri's presence threw off her mental calculus of risk entirely. The succubus had witnessed her last encounter with Lack, but there was no gate warden present this time to uphold the illusion of law. Alone, Viv never feared for her own skin. With Tandri beside her, brute strength felt like no defense at all. Congratulations on your ongoing success, said Lack, doffing his hat and executing a half bow. Viv couldn't decide if it was intended to be mocking or not. End of the month already, is it? She asked grimly. Could have sworn there were a few more days. Lack nodded agreeably. Indeed. You know, it's not readily apparent, but the trickiest part of my job is ensuring that things go smoothly, that there are no problems. You see, if there is blood, or bones get broken, or property meets misfortune, that's a failure. It's just not a foundation for good business. The madrigal wants good business, repeatable business, and diligence on my part is key to making that happen. Hi, Tandri, said Kellen with a possessive smile in her direction. Lack frowned at him. Tandri glanced at Viv, eyes wide. Viv tried her best to project confidence. Lack continued. I'm here to impress on you that I'm serious, that we do expect collection at the end of the month, and to reiterate that while I would prefer to count this as a success, a failure of civility will be more to your disadvantage than ours. Viv clenched her fists at her sides. Might be more of a disadvantage for you than you expect. Lack sighed in an aggrieved way. Look, there's no denying you're very physically capable, that's clear, but you have a business, you have employees, you're doing well. Would you really want to throw all that away on some sort of misguided principle? The world is full of taxes and allowances and concessions that keep things moving forward. This is just another one of those. Hate to see the place burn to the ground, said Kellen with an extremely punchable grin on his face. Lack's motion was liquid and savage as he snagged Kellen's lapel and yanked him close to his face. Shut up, you insufferable shit weasel, he snarled. From the speed of that motion, Viv instantly knew that she'd misjudged Lack's quality as a threat. Kellen stumbled away, mouth gaping, chastened. Lack straightened his overcoat and replaced his hat on his head. Another week, he said. I look forward to a trouble-free relationship in the future. He nodded to Viv and then to Tandri. Apologies, miss. And then they left. Viv was straightening up from her pack with the blink stone in hand when Tandri found her in the loft. Are you all right? asked Tandri. Viv was touched, swiftly followed by a guilty realization of who had been most threatened by the men in the street. How could she have failed to ask how Tandri felt? It was too late now, though. Fine, 
She winced at the shortness of her answer. Just thinking about my options. She stared at the blink stone in her palm. The succubus glanced curiously at it, but Viv didn't offer to explain. Tandri swept her gaze over the barren room, empty except for Viv's bedroll, her pack, and some leftover construction materials stacked neatly in the corner. This is where you sleep. I'm used to less, said Viv, suddenly embarrassed. Tandri was quiet for a long moment. You know, you've built something pretty wonderful, something special. She held Viv's gaze. And I know you're remaking your life. I can relate. I know what that feels like and what it means to want that. She gestured around the empty room. But that down there is not your whole life. What you do with the rest of the time is at least as important. For someone who reads a lot, you don't even have any books. Maybe Viv had neglected a few pleasures. That was hard to argue with, but she tried anyway. I don't really need anything else, though. I could feel it today. It was enough, and I don't mean to lose it. Is it enough, though? Tandry frowned and looked down. What they want to take from you, the reason it's so untenable, it's because they'd be taking everything you have. I'm just saying that maybe if you treated the rest of your life the same way you do the shop, invested in it the same way, then the cost would seem less. Viv didn't know what to say to that. Whatever happens, said Tandry, I think maybe you should pay a little attention to this room. Her smile was wan. At least get a damn bed. Viv waited until she heard Tandry close the shop door behind her. When she entered the kitchen a short while later, the only sound was the thrum of the stove. She opened the firebox door and stood for a long time, staring into the flames. Viv glanced at black blood, freshly garlanded. Then she tossed the blink stone in, closed the stove, and climbed the ladder to try and fail to find sleep in her cold bedroll. 16. It was three days before the old crew, minus Fennis, arrived at the shop. In the late afternoon, Rune was the first to duck inside the door. He raised his eyebrows at Viv behind the coffee maker and gave the busy interior a considering glance. Galina stepped out from behind him, where she'd been hidden by his bulk, goggles up in her spiky hair, a wide grin splitting her face. Tyvus slipped gracefully in after and inclined his head. Evening, Viv said Rune. Closing a little early, folks, hollered Viv. Boisterous complaints answered back. Tendry gave her a startled glance, saw her expression, and then noted Rune and the other new arrivals. All friends of yours? Old friends, said Viv, cocking a thumb at the sword behind her. Is that black blood? exclaimed Galena, with a high laugh. She looks like a solstice wreath. That's her, said Viv, with a smile. Give me a few minutes to empty the place. It took longer than she'd have liked to encourage the last of the diners out the door, and Viv wished, not for the first time, that she had some way to let customers take their drinks with them. Ah well, a problem for another time. She sent Thimble on his way, but when she opened her mouth to speak to Tandry, the succubus held up a hand, her tail lashing sharply behind her. I'm staying. Viv thought about that for a moment then nodded and said, all right. They sat on the benches at the big communal table. 
Tandry brewed coffees, and Viv set out a plate of cinnamon rolls and thimblets. Thanks for coming, said Viv, when they were all seated and served. She toyed with the mug in front of her. And I guess, first things first, this is Tandry. She's my co-worker. Tandry, you know Rune. This is Galena and Tyvis. She gestured to each in turn. Twice charmed, said Rune around an enormous bite of cinnamon roll. A succubus, huh? said Galena, her chin propped on her hand. Viv saw Tandry stiffen. The little gnome must have as well. Nah, I don't mean anything by it, sweetie. Long as you don't ask me to invent anything. Pleased to meet you. Love the look. The gnome waved tiny fingers at Tandry's sweater. Galena tends more to, uh, wet work, said Viv. I do like knives. Galena produced one from nowhere to trim her nails. Tyvis nodded solemnly at Tandry and nibbled at the edge of a thimblet. The stone fay was as taciturn as ever, his watchful face framed in white hair. Nice to meet you all, said Tandry. She took a quick sip of her drink, and Viv could swear she was nervous. Rune set his matching blinkstone on the table between them as he polished off his roll and reached for a thimblet. So, see in the place and taste in these... I'm inclined to think you didn't send for us because you're hoping to sleep rough and crush skulls again. You got me there, said Viv. No, I'm not coming back. She stared at Galena thoughtfully. Before I get into that, though, I owe you an apology. All of you. I'm not proud of the way I left. You deserved better from me after all those years. I was just afraid. We know, said Galena. Rune told us. She squinted at Viv. I was a little pissed, I don't mind saying, but this is nice. She gestured expansively at the shop. Happy for you, Viv. I didn't mind, said Tyvis in a quiet voice, because if anyone understood avoiding a difficult conversation, or indeed any conversation, it was the Stone Fay. Well, now that's out of the way, let's get down to it, said Rune with a big grin. We're vocal action, eh? Unless you just wanted to feed us, and if that was the case, can't say as I'd complain. He started in on his second roll. Viv took a big breath and sighed it out. So, things are going well. Really well. Better than I could have hoped. But there's a local element that I need to deal with. Tyvis looked suddenly interested, and Galena stood up on the bench and planted both hands on the table to get a better eye line. And you haven't sent him off with broken bones and better manners yet? Well, no, not so far. Then you want us to help with that? Galena's grin was eager and a little bloodthirsty. It's not as simple as that. Oh, this is the simplest, said Galena. Nothing simpler. Viv flattened her hands in front of her and tried to think of the right words to use. Here's the thing. I was hoping that the threat of me would be enough. I even hung black blood on the wall as... I don't know, a sort of warning. I don't want to deal with this the way that the old Viv would have, because, because, she struggled to articulate it. Because if she does, it ruins everything, said Tandry, joining the conversation. Rune looked skeptical. She's taken care of problems just like this a dozen times. Two dozen. Protecting what's yours? There's no shame in that. Don't see how that would ruin anything, except the face of whatever fool is trying to shake her down. That's not what I mean, said Tandry with surprising heat. Sure, it might be fine this time for this one thing. But once it's an option, once she can pick that back up. 
She pointed at the sword on the wall. She loses what she won by building this place without it. Maybe next time it's just a job to earn a little silver in a lean winner. Maybe a bounty in exchange for a shipping discount. And little by little, this isn't that coffee shop in Thune where you can get a cinnamon roll as big as your head. It's Viv's territory, and you don't want to cross her. And did you hear about the time she broke the legs of somebody who looked at her funny? She has done that, whispered Galena out the side of her mouth. That was before. Tandry stabbed the table with a finger. Right now, in this town, the shop is a clean slate. She should pay the madrigal and let it be. Well, Viv, said Roan, who looked confused. If that's what you're thinking, then why are we here? Viv tossed up her hands helplessly. I don't know. Advice, or I guess I thought. You thought we might do it, finished Galena. She archly inquired, were you going to offer to pay us? Viv looked pained. No, that's not what I had planned. I, I don't know what I should do. She made a frustrated growl deep in her throat. The problem is I don't want to pay them. I don't think I can bring myself to do it. And no, I'm not trying to hire you to take care of the problem, but I thought maybe just a show of force. That's the sword on the wall again, said Tandry. And if you go too much further, you might as well use it and be done with it. They all fell silent for a moment. The madrigal, said Tyvus. You know him, asked Viv. I know of them, he replied. Then what do you think? Tyvus was characteristically thoughtful and quiet, but they all waited without saying a word. It may be, he eventually said, that this can be resolved without blood. I'm all ears, said Viv. It's possible I may be able to arrange a parley, he continued. Meeting in a dark alley to talk terms seems like a sure way to get a knife in the back, observed Galena. The Madrigal and Viv have more in common than you might think, said Tyvus. Why do you say that? I've met them before, he said. I'm bound by certain oaths not to reveal over much, and I take those oaths seriously, but I have a sense that it would be worth the effort. And you could set this up, asked Viv. I believe I could. I'll reach out to a contact in the city. We should know by nightfall tomorrow. Galena looked unconvinced. I still think murdering them in their beds would be safer. I assure you, it would not said Tyvus dryly. And you really think the risk of this is better than just paying what they're asking? Tandry crossed her arms, her expression severe. Viv thought about that for a moment. I don't think it's better, she sighed. But I feel like I've cut all the tethers to the old Viv but one, and I can't bring myself to cut that last rope. I'm just not ready yet. Tandry's mouth tightened, but she said nothing further. There was a long and uncomfortable silence. It was broken suddenly when Rune shot up from the bench. What the hells is that? He exclaimed. The dire cat had appeared and circled behind them. She rubbed along the bench, purring like an earthquake. That's Amity, said Viv with a relieved grin. She glanced over at Tandry, grateful that the tension was broken or at least deferred. Why'd you need us when you got a damned hell beast on staff? Rune cried. Oh, you're just a sweetie, aren't you? Cooed Galena, scratching Amity's back vigorously with both hands. She could have easily ridden the dire cat. 
She's a fair-weather watchcat, Viv chuckled. Shows up when she feels like it. She's hungry, too, observed Galena, offering the enormous creature a roll. Amity swallowed it whole. After that, the conversation moved on to other, less delicate matters, and Viv brought out more drinks while Rune polished off the remaining baked goods. Dusk was long past when they finally filtered out the door, leaving Viv and Tandry behind to close up shop. They quietly cleaned together, scrubbing and wiping and sweeping. As Viv dried her hands and turned to the front of the shop, Tandry was standing in the entry with an unreadable expression on her face. I'm sorry, the woman suddenly said. For what? It wasn't my place to say those things, to speak for you, so I apologize. Viv frowned and looked down at her hands for a moment. No, you were right. You were right about how it should be, how I think I want it to be. I don't know if I can do that yet, but... She looked back at Tandry. I hope that someday I can. So, thank you. Oh, Tandry made a small nod. That's all right then. Good night, Viv. She quietly left the shop. Good night, Tandry, Viv said to the closed door. 17. Viv and Tandry worked quietly and companionably, with no mention of the prior evening. Viv worried it might become tense between the two of them, but it hadn't. The morning was calm and easy, and she allowed herself not to think about the madrigal or the end of the month, or how it would feel to take black blood in hand and cut any brewing problems off at the knee. It was nice. Pendry showed up again around midday, loot at the ready, and with less cringing dread about him, Viv thought. She jerked her head toward the dining area with a smile, and he shuffled around the corner. A slightly more energetic, but still folksy ballad arose shortly after, twinned with Pendry's sweet, earnest voice. Even nicer. Later, Tandry nudged her and murmured, He's back. Who is? The mysterious chess player. The elderly gnome was indeed unfolding a wooden board onto the table out front. After carefully setting out the pieces, clearly reproducing a game in progress, he strolled into the shop. He peered over the countertop, and in a voice like rumpled velvet said, One latte, please, my dears, and one of those delightful confections. He pointed at the glass jar of thimblets. You bet, said Viv. As Tandry was brewing his drink, her tail did a few quick back-and-forth slashes, which Viv was coming to recognize as one of her anxious gestures. Eventually, the woman couldn't stand it anymore and asked with exaggerated casualness, So, waiting for someone? She indicated the chessboard through the window. The little old man looked surprised. Not at all, he replied, and took his drink and pastry, bobbed a nod, and returned to his table. Within moments, Amity had appeared as if by magic and curled up under his table again. Tandry scrunched her mouth into a frown. Damn it, she said under her breath. Viv chuckled to herself and with no customers waiting, brewed another coffee and strolled into the other room to watch Pendry play. He'd taken one of the outdoor chairs and moved it inside to sit on, which seemed a bold move for him. Viv approved. Eyes closed, he lost himself in his playing. Fingers flying, crooning another song that Viv didn't think she'd ever heard before. 
When the tune concluded and he took a brief break, she walked over and handed him the drink. You're good, she glanced around. No hat or box for coins? He looked surprised. I uh, hadn't thought of it. You should. I, okay, he stammered. So that music you were playing the first day, it was unusual. He winced and looked like he was going to apologize. Not bad, she said quickly, just different. Maybe you should give it another try now that you've warmed them up a little. She gestured with her head at the diners behind her. It's something I was experimenting with, but maybe it's a bit much. He still looked a little green around the gills. You weren't always a musician, huh? She pointed at his blunt and weathered fingers, so much different from the calloused fingertips of a lifetime lute player. Uh, no, no, the, uh, family business was, is a little different. Well, keep at it, and maybe bring that other lute back when you feel like it. She nodded and left him goggling after her. Hello again, Cal. Good to see you, said Tandry. Viv turned to find the hob on the other side of the counter, where he eyed the interior critically as though fearing it might collapse at any moment. Place seems to be holding up all right, he declared. She almost expected him to test a wall by kicking it. Your usual? Hmm, he nodded. Tandry smiled with genuine warmth as she started the grinder. It grumbled for a moment, there was a sputter and a long whirr, and she cut the switch. How oh, hell's the bean hopper is empty? I'll get a bag, offered Viv. No, I'll take care of it. Tandry briefly touched Viv's arm and headed for the pantry. When Viv looked back at Cal, he flicked his gaze up from her arm to meet her eyes. She found his thoughtful look puzzling. He cleared his throat. Everything seems to be going along just fine, it appears, he said, with more delicacy than usual. Viv squinted at him. Fine enough, although I don't mind saying I wish I saw more of you. Drinks are on the house any time you drop by. Cal snorted, but couldn't hide a smile. Playing on my contrariness so I pay double. Triple if I can get it, you stubborn old goat. She managed to get a laugh out of him at that, but then caught him looking over her shoulder toward the pantry. Going along just fine, he repeated. Make sure to stop and see it, hmm? Viv started to ask what he meant when Tandry reappeared. Sorry about that, won't be a minute, she said, as she flipped the hatch and poured beans with a rattling hiss. When Cal got his cup, Viv grudgingly accepted his copper, but then slid a roll in front of him with a triumphant smile. He grumbled good-naturedly, but took both. Galena appeared in the late afternoon, alone. Was hoping to catch up some before we head out tomorrow, she said standing on tiptoe to fold her arms on the counter. Just us two. Sure, that would be good, honestly. Let me just close things up early here first. It's all right, said Tandry. No need to close, you go ahead. You sure? Absolutely, I'll handle everything later. It's not that busy. Tandry shooed her off. Thanks, said Viv with a grateful smile. As Viv and Galena strolled away from the shop, Viv asked, Anything you had in mind? Galena looked up at her and cocked an eyebrow. I'm hungry. You're the local. What's good? Can't say I've really taken in the sights, although maybe I do know a place. 
Viv led her to the Fay Cafe she and Tandry had once visited. Ooh, this is fancy, said Galena with a twinkle in her eye. Oh, I'm pretty cosmopolitan now, Viv snorted, remembering what Tandry had said. They ordered and ate and talked about old times. Viv began to feel like they'd sailed back into the easy waters of friendship again. As they picked at the crumbs of their meal, Galena's expression grew speculative. You know what I think of all this, she said, circling her hand, her tone sharp. You think I should knife them in their beds, said Viv, smiling a little. I do, replied Galena seriously, before they decide they want to take more from you than they planned. And I don't care what Tyva says, meeting this madrigal, you're going to go and stake yourself out like a goat in front of a cave. Worst comes to worst, I can take care of myself. I know you can. I just want to make sure you do. She produced four slim knives like magic and slid them across the table toward Viv. I want you to take these with you. Fine, leave black blood wrapped up in flowers or whatever, but don't be dumb. Viv was simultaneously touched and a little exasperated. She put one big hand over the weapons and pushed them back toward Galena. If I give myself that breathing room, I might just take advantage of it. I don't want to have the excuse. Oh, eight hells, Viv. Galena crossed her arms and pouted. Then she whisked the knives away. Not going to stab me with one of those? Maybe later. She sighed hugely. Whatever, I guess. But now you owe me something sweet for bruising my feelings so bad. I'll see if they've got a dessert menu. Galena walked Viv back to the shop. So, what's a girl got to do to get a sack of those sweet rolls? She asked. Didn't I just buy you dessert? Thing about gnomes, we got the metabolism of hummingbirds, said Galena with a huge grin. I'll see what I can do. Tandry was in the middle of shutting things down and waved at them both. Viv wrapped the last three rolls in wax paper, tied them with some string, and grandly handed the packet to Galena. Should last me the walk to my room, she said with a nod and a wink. Then she sobered. Look, I don't know if I should say it, because I don't want to set you jumping at shadows, but Fennis? What about him? I think you should just keep an eye out. Did he say something? No, not exactly, but I don't know if you had some arrangement with him or something, but he's been strange lately. So maybe it's nothing, but I gotta listen to my little voice, I guess. I'll be careful, said Viv, remembering Fennis's visit and his parting remarks. It does indeed have the ring of fortune about it. Viv helped Tandry finish closing up. As she washed and dried the last mug, Tandry leaned on the counter. Good visit? It was, said Viv. I've known Galena for years. Not my finest moment leaving the way I did. But I think that's smoothed over now. That's good. Tandry's tail did its side-to-side -side lash. But, prompted Viv, knowing there was more. You should be careful when you take the meeting. Viv chuckled. You don't live as long as I have doing what I did without taking precautions. I think that's what worries me. Precautions. Viv stared at her levelly. Galena offered me knives. I made her keep them. I, that's good. I mean, it's not my place to, oh shit. Tandry hung her head and her glossy hair fell forward. She looked up again. You know, part of what I am, who I am, I have a sense about things. A sense? As a succubus. 
we pick up more of intentions, emotions, and also secrets. Viv had a sinking feeling that she knew where this was going. Look, I know that there's more to all this than what you'll say. And that's okay. Again, it's not my place, but it makes me think this is more dangerous than just some crime boss wringing out protection money. Viv thought about the Scalvert Stone, but she hadn't gotten any sense from Lack or his goons that they knew about it. And why would they? The stone's lore was obscure, and it was hardly sitting out for all to see. She'd been careful. I do have something I'm playing close to the vest, admitted Viv. But I can't figure any way that the Madrigal could know about it, and even if he did, the odds he'd care are low, I think. Like I said, said Tandry, I can sense things. From you, and from all of them yesterday. Something unsaid. And I have a bad feeling. Viv thought about Galena's warning about Fennis and wondered exactly what he had said to the rest of the crew. I'll be careful, said Viv. That's all I know to do at this point. I hope that's enough. The shop was fully squared away, and after glancing around, Tandry nodded to herself and, after a long silence, said, Well, good night. As she turned to go, Viv blurted, Hey, so you want a walk home? But with that Kellen guy and your sense of things, maybe it'd feel safer. Tandry thought about it for a moment, then replied, That'd be nice. The night was dark and cool, and the smell of the river had a fresher, earthy flavor that was pleasant. The street lanterns cast yellow pools in the blue of the evening shadows. They strolled in a relaxed silence, with Tandry leading the way, until they came to a building on the north side that was clearly a grocer's on the bottom story. Up there, said Tandry, gesturing to a side stairway. I'm sure I'll be fine the last few steps. Of course, said Viv, suddenly awkward. See you tomorrow, then? Tomorrow. After watching her ascend and slip into the building, Viv walked around Thune for several hours before returning to the darkened shop, where the last embers in the stove had gone cold. 18. Viv handed Laney one of her own plates with a fresh and steaming roll on it, something she'd been doing for a few days now. Laney always left a clean plate on Viv's counter before closing with four shiny bits on it, and every morning Viv returned it, less the coins and plus a pastry. Well, thank you, dear, cried Laney, taking the plate with eager hands. You tell that ratkin lad if he wants to trade recipes sometime, I've got some corkers. I'll be sure to let him know, Viv replied, wondering what Thimble would make of Laney's cakes. Just so proud to have you as a neighbor. Viv glanced back at the shop. I hope so, because it looks like you might be stuck with me. Laney nodded. Good to see you settling in. All that was needed was a partner. A partner? The old woman's eyes grew distant. My old Titus used to say we filled each other's gaps. Of course, when he said it, it sounded dirtier. While Viv puzzled over that, Laney wafted the steam from the roll to her nose. I don't mind telling you, this beats the smell of horse apples any day of the week. Her eyes disappeared in the dried fruit crinkle of her grin. I'd always hoped we'd clear the high bar set by horse shit. Laney burst into cackling laughter, and Viv returned to the shop, shaking her head. Tyvus was waiting beside the door, gray as morning smoke and just as quiet. 
he wordlessly handed her a folded scrap of parchment. Viv thanked him, and he nodded, then ghosted down the street. She unfolded and read it. Freyday, at dusk, corner of branch and settle, come alone, unarmed. Her meeting with the madrigal was set. I don't like that you're going alone, said Tandry. It's not really up for negotiation. Viv set the crossbar across the big doors and moved to douse the wall lanterns. I could watch from a distance. Even if they didn't notice you, which they would, it wouldn't do any good. The madrigal isn't at this address. Likely they'll cover my eyes and will walk far from there. If you followed, they'd definitely notice. Aren't you worried? Viv shrugged. Not much point. That's exasperating. I learned to stay loose and level a long time ago. Things always turn out better that way, usually for everybody. The shop was fully shut, and they stood outside as Viv locked the door. The sun was coming down slow but sure, and the light burned red. Go home, said Viv gently. I'll tell you everything tomorrow. If you're not here in the morning, then what should I do? Asked Tandry grimly. I'll be here, but if I'm wrong? Viv handed her the spare key to the front door, and after a second's thought, she unstrung the one around her neck. And this one's for the strongbox. Tandry turned them over in her hands. This isn't exactly reassuring. Viv grasped her shoulder and could feel the tension there. It'll be fine. I've been in worse scrapes and have the scars to prove it, and I don't expect to have any new ones tomorrow. Promise me that? Can't promise, but if I'm wrong, I guess you can clear out the cash box. Tandry gave her a thin smile. I expect the door to be unlocked tomorrow when I get here. Viv didn't have to wait long on the corner of Branch and Settle, far south of the shop. She could see why they'd chosen it. The intersecting streets were intermittently lit, and the corner itself was overlooked by a big, splintered heap of a warehouse. A familiar face emerged from a darker scrap of shadow and doffed his hat. We're well on our way to becoming fast friends, it seems. It won't be long till you find yourself using my name. I guess you can put in a friendly word for me then, said Viv. She looked around, but didn't see anyone else. She knew they were there, though. How's this going to work? Follow me, said Lack. He gestured at a small doorway into the warehouse. She did, and once they stepped inside, he produced a hood. A blindfold won't do? Lack shrugged. You'll breathe just fine. She sighed and tugged it on. Only a little of the warehouse's dim light filtered through the weave. Lack's hand found her elbow, and she didn't flinch at his touch. He steered her through the building, and then she heard a metallic shriek. Viv felt the boards under her feet jump as he flipped open a pair of doors in the floor with two dusty bangs. He let her down a set of creaking stairs, touching the top of her head to warn her of the frame so she didn't crack her skull as she descended. She smelled earth at first, and then the growing scent of the river. They passed through pockets of coolness and cross breezes, and they turned several times. Sometimes the floor was stone and gravel, and other times dirt or wood. Eventually, they ascended another set of stairs, rising into the smell of wood oil and cleaner and fabrics, and something more floral that Viv couldn't quite place. All right, said Lack. Viv removed the hood from her head and took in what was before her. Well, 
I guess I wasn't expecting that. The room was cozy. A pair of huge stuffed armchairs sat before a small, tidily bricked fireplace with an ornate folding screen, the low twinkle of flames showing behind. Polished tables flanked the chairs, one holding a tea service heavily illustrated with twining plants. A large, gilt-framed mirror hung above the fireplace, and red velvet drapes bordered big, paneled windows. Enormous bookshelves towered against the walls, positively crammed with thick volumes. Crocheted doilies covered a long, low table, and a luxurious carpet was soft underfoot. A tall, elderly woman sat ensconced in one of the armchairs, her silver hair in a severe bun, her face regal but not unkind. She was crocheting a fresh doily and took her time completing a round before absently looking at Viv. To Viv, it was blindingly clear from her bearing and from the deference Lack showed that this was, indeed, the madrigal. Why don't you take a seat, Viv, said the woman. Her voice was dry and strong. Viv did. Before she could speak, the madrigal continued. Of course, I know a great deal about you. That's at least half my business, knowing and connecting. But I confess, I was surprised when Tyvus reached out. Of course, he went by a different name when I knew him. She glanced up from her crocheting. Did he mention how he knew me? Her expression was mild, but Viv sensed a great blackness beneath that question. No, ma'am. The madrigal nodded, and Viv couldn't help but wonder what might have happened if she'd answered differently. Tyvus' appeal might not have been enough for me to agree to meet you, she said, if it hadn't been for another mutual acquaintance. Another? Viv was confused. Indeed. The movement of her crochet hook was hypnotic. It only took another moment for Viv to catch on, and it should have taken less. Fennis? He did provide me with some interesting information, and as I said, knowing is my business. So he had a tale to tell, something about a scrap of an old song, maybe, and a new visitor to the city. All of which is why you're here, not because of some monthly dues. She fluttered a hand as though they were of no consequence. The woman's mouth pinched. Also, I'll be frank, despite what you might think, given the circumstances, I don't have much use for assholes. Viv couldn't stop herself from snorting. You agreed to meet me out of spite. She thought she caught a twinkle in the madrigal's eye. Let me be straightforward. At my advanced age, I found that the fast cut bleeds less. That wasn't exactly Viv's experience, but she understood the sentiment. If this woman wanted directness, she'd oblige. What do you want to know? You have a scalvered stone. I do. Somewhere on the premises, I imagine. Yes. The woman nodded appreciatively. I've read a few of the verses and myths. Fennus supplied some, as you've guessed, but my own resources are extensive. You could take it from me. Viv had a twist of nausea, but also a wild feeling of boldness, almost like the old days. I could, agreed the madrigal. She looked sharply at Viv. Would it do me any good? Viv thought about that for a moment. Hard to say. Based on what I know, location matters, and I'm not entirely sure it works. 
My dear, there was a derelict livery at that address, ruined by an impotent moron with a drinking problem, and in a few months you, a woman who deals mostly in blood, have rebuilt it into a successful business that is gathering attention across Thune. Let's not be coy. I guess I've seen enough coincidences that I find it easy to doubt. But you're probably right. I'm rarely wrong. It's been known to happen, but I don't like to let on. So, are you planning to take it from me? The madrigal put her crocheting in her lap and stared hard at Viv. No. Can I ask why not? Because the information available is open to interpretation. I'm not convinced I'd benefit. Viv frowned thoughtfully. The madrigal continued. Now, about those monthly dues. Viv took a deep breath. Begging your pardon, ma'am, but I'd rather not pay. The madrigal resumed her crocheting. You know, you and I aren't so different. A side of her mouth quirked up. Well, you're certainly taller, she said dryly. But we've both journeyed between extremes of expectation. I've simply traveled in the opposite direction. I feel a certain kinship with that sort of ambition. Viv remained respectfully silent until the madrigal continued. There are precedents to maintain, however. Now, I have a proposal for you. I'm listening. After the madrigal made her offer, Viv smiled, agreed, and reached out to shake her hand. That's all for now. Thank you for listening. Make sure to follow Stories from Among the Stars on your preferred podcast app to get the next episode. Or if you just can't wait, you can buy Legends and Lattes wherever books or audiobooks are sold. Thank you.